0: Welcome to this brand new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast. This podcast is hosted by Mark van Horek and myself, Elias Krum, and brought to you by Marketing Guys, the MarTech agency based out of the Netherlands. Welcome to this new episode of the Marketing Technology Podcast, on which I today have a digital settler, at least that's the way he uh, recalls himself, and he's going to explain that later on, uh, Tobias Eichelpas, he's uh, a-, a German, uh, married to um, to an American, he just explained me. Um, Tobias, welcome to the Marketing Technology Podcast. Could you please introduce yourself? Yes, thank you very much for the
1: invitation. Hi, I'm Tobias. I'm um, I live and work in Frankfurt in Germany. I work for um, the company that's behind Eva Launch. Eva is an email marketing, marketing and automation, and lead management platform. Um, I am the customer experience manager, but for many, many years, I also worked in project management and implemented lots of projects from small, small startups to global corporations worldwide. Um, Yeah. And um, I've been working in this field since 2008. So I've uh, seen a
0: couple of things going on in this industry. Cool. So you're one of the few people I talk to that actually have been on three sides, on the, the customer side using the product on the agency side implementing the product and now you're on the vendor side so you're selling the product that must be a very great experience to have and it it must result in very cool projects
1: yes uh, it's it is actually very helpful some you know you put yourself in the shoes of others but um, that's how i first basically tested my employer that i have today i was a customer and Uh, They didn't scare me away. Uh, On the contrary, I've been working with them since 2008 on on all kinds of levels and partnerships. And um, yeah, like it very much. They're located in Starnberg, near Munich. Um, uh, And so obviously they also are advocates of working locally independent or location independent, um, especially
0: nowadays, a very modern trend. Nice, nice. So um, the reason I actually asked you to be on the podcast was a an article that i recently came across on i think linkedin um called from a website called OMR which is a german well basically digital marketing website a blog where they also have a review part of the uh of the website um, and i t- took a look at that website at the comparison part where marketing automation and email service providers were compared and it really struck my attention because i did hardly see any American vendors. They were all vendors like Avalanche. And for the international listeners, Avalanche is, is a fully Germany German owned and they're also headquartered in Germany uh, ESP uh, and lead management software marketing automation solution, which makes it completely different because um, the reason behind those different companies and them being so different from the American vendors um, well, well, comes has a, um, a background in the I would say privacy nature I think so uh, it, yeah. it struck me and I wanted to talk about you Tobias because you're knowledgeable mm. on this on this subject so why is this landscape so different in Germany huh, uh, interesting yeah you you were referring to
1: many listeners might know there's a martech landscape a marketing technology landscape and if you google this you'll you'll find it Mm -hmm. Um, a huge poster that you can uh, order and print out and it has now thousands of systems it grew with a couple of hundreds and someone started the same initiative but with german martech systems Mm -hmm. and also has already reached a considerable size. And um, if you, I I thought about this before we met today, um, prepared myself and I went back and forth and where can you start and actually have a year? And I'm going to dare to say that um, we have to look at the year 1978, Um, probably, uh, that's Mm -hmm. my hypothesis now, Um, because that was the year that, the German Federal Data Protection Act, the Bundesdatenschutzgesetz um, came into life. And um, and this plays an important role, and I'm gonna compare it also soon, for example, to the US, because um, this uh, Federal Data Protection Act in 1978 already um, did what is now today in the EU known as the GDPR, the General Data and Protection um, uh, Regulations, um, and though the most important principles that we know today in in the EU with the GDPR were already very clearly regulated in the Federal Data Protection Act in Germany, um, many. And this is also interesting. The GDPR is closely based on what was in the Bundesdatenschutzgesetz before. Mm. Um, the GDPR standardized a lot of it, um, but for. Germans, German companies, the changeover with the GDPR was not as big as it was in other countries. And what this tells you, I think, is the awareness and the the topic of data protection um, was already big um, for a long, long time. There's a higher awareness in Germany. And this plays a role um, in in many other um, aspects that we're going to talk about later. Now, let's put it in contrast, if we think of the US, Um, Many know in the U.S. data protection is is hardly governed by laws or regulations. Um, Often um, access and uses of data is is even socially accepted, Um, much more than in Germany, where everyone is a bit sensitive about it. And funny story, when I researched, we talked about 1978 German Federal Data Protection Act. It was also in 1978 in the U.S. It's the same year when the Foreign Intelligence Surveillance Act, the FISA Act, was passed in the US. Um, and those that are not yet familiar, it's it's used for foreign intelligence and counterintelligence by the United States. And it, it has been viewed critically and um, I'm not gonna dive too much into that, but um, generally the, the statute permits surveillance, also electronic surveillance in, in different scenarios without and with a court order. And there's mm-hmm. criticism about this that Although the law itself was mainly designed to address terrorism threat, it also can intercept communications that have nothing to do with it. And it uh, seems to allow, allow, just hypothetically, the government to, to create huge databases of information without warrants. And, and that's um, social acceptance in the U.S. of using data, gathering data, using data, processing data is much higher. And, um, uh, and, and in Germany, it's all, it has been regulated for decades already. And, um, and that's important, and without getting further into this, it, it leads to the next question if we want to answer the questions. What are differences and why are there such big differences between especially American and German technology vendors? Um, if you want to, we, we'll just continue there. Yeah, absolutely. Should, absolutely. Yeah, Go ahead. So, well, if, if we now have this train of thought in our mind, what happens when in one country data processing is socially accepted and even tolerated and even considered practical and in another country the acceptance isn't high and there' are strict laws and in the other country there are not as many and this is also a question to you since you have a lot of experience but how do technology vendors plan develop and build their systems in these different
0: environments absolutely yeah that's that's one of the big questions a lot of com- companies have because um, what you're referring to, um, and the way the U.S. treats data um, doesn't only impact marketing automation or email marketing, but this basically impacts any technology that you use from the U.S. Right? Yes. Yes. Exactly. Yeah. So, so very, very even true. like Outlook, or if you're using Salesforce.com, or all these yeah. like CRM systems, basically, um, in 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 my let's say. Simple language, it, it would mean that the U.S. can do whatever they want to do with your data. Yeah. Um, and the GDPR tells us, uh, and your German law tells us, that you're not allowed to hand over that stuff to the U.S. Exactly, yeah. yeah.
1: Very, very true. Um, I'll get into the whole privacy thing in, in a second. One thought that I w- would maybe continue at this point is, if we know that there are such big differences because of the environment that it is provided... I would even argue that marketing technology vendors have a competitive advantage if they don't have to do as much data protection or if they have fewer legal requirements to, to meet. Mm-hmm. See, I can't quantify now exactly, but at Eva Launch, I know we invest a lot of work and time and money in hardware and software and data protection and the whole issue of privacy by design and privacy by default. And other companies, they don't have to or they have chosen not to do it as much. So they invest work time and money either less of it or they invest it into other features and functions. So they can they can offer probably more features functions, I guess, um, maybe because they invested more into this or they can offer their products probably also more cheap, more cheaply because of it. And that Absolutely. is an interesting um. Uh, um Let's say tension that is generated, but because if you want to protect data, if you let's say you know apply to the GDPR in the EU, you usually have to pay more money, and you don't always or necessarily get the same amount of features and functions because we know the Martech landscape in the US and what comes out of the US is very innovative. We're we're not going to lie here, but overall, that's where that where really cool stuff comes from. It's always mm-hmm. important to watch, but. It's interesting how how even law of economics
0: get into this, you know. And the, the typically the, the the thing that I spoke uh, about with uh, Jens who Jens Polomsky, who has actually mm. made that uh, or co-authored that uh, German landscape. Um, yeah. When you look at it uh, uh, from a European perspective, I explained to him in the podcast, and it was a podcast from I think last September or last August. Mm. Um, yeah. I and the way I phrase it to him is that the Dutch seem to uh, use the law more pragmatically than the Germans. They're very tight to to strict to as as to this law. Um, mm. And you just asked me like how do vendors solve these problems? And yeah. I've seen multiple, let's say, movements mm. in the market because um, uh, it, when the Americans can do whatever they want with your data and and European law restricts you from handing over that data, some of the vendors said, well, we have moved our data centers to Europe. Uh, um mm-hmm. that, that doesn't do the trick. <laughs> yep. You know, that that's uh, not that's not the solution. It seems like no, it uh, doesn't. like everybody it, it doesn't. It, it doesn't. So <laughs> so that's that's like a marketing thing, but it it it's not actually because this, the, the company still is an American company, so um, no matter where the data center is, they, they still need to hand yeah. over the data to the American government should they ask that. Um yeah. The other solution that is there since like last year or the year before, when, when the act changed, um, is SECs, like these uh, mm-hmm. standard contracts or the the, the, the tailor-made yeah. contracts that you'll have to write, uh, which are addendum to your service level agreements, etc. Um, that's and that's pretty labor-intensive to write those. Yeah,
1: yeah. That's um, I I uh, recently attended um, uh, a webinar with Max Schrems. Some may know him, Austrian uh, lawyer who uh, is um, mainly responsible for the Schrems One and Schrems II court cases and mm-hmm. um, who brought basically down Safe Harbor and the Privacy Shield. And, um, and, uh, and he elaborated on this, A, on the servers located somewhere in Germany or in the U.S., it doesn't matter as much. And the other thing is SECs are not just some papers you sign. Um, uh, it's it's a lot more complicated, and it shifts the responsibility to the company. Um, if, if I use the system, and uh, had to implement SECs, and I am mainly responsible, and uh, and it's not that simple um, uh, of a of a trick to do. So that that's really um, it's um, it, it, the tricky part is it's a, it's kind of like a vacuum that exists here, and it sucks for everyone. I mean, many talk about it, and I and I believe that many of the U.S. vendors don't like the situation either because they have to um, um, um you know go by the by the authorities and whatever they rule um but the dilemma again is uh, we talked about it before law of economics and it, it, you get to the point again if, if you if you don't pay money for something you pay with data often or if you pay less mm-hmm. money or uh, and, um, and it's, uh, it's often uh, it's, it's a law of economics. You know, It prohibits you to get something that is safe and has a high value for little money. It doesn't work. Uh, if you pay little, then the system you bought or can't do or doesn't do the job as well as it was intended to do, and, um, and if you accept uh, a system that maybe costs less, then often you you have to, or basically in the back of your mind, if you think about it, you add something for the risk taken, because mm-hmm. you think mm, maybe if, if it's it's cheap because it's not as performant or maybe it's cheap because the data protection might one day fall back to me like a boomerang. and um, and some companies even do set aside like some risk money. but and here's the thing if you put that aside, then you actually should have enough money to pay for something better in the first place. But mm-hmm. <laughs> mm-hmm. Just absolutely. So
0: <laughs> what, from what I've seen, a lot of vendors are in, in like a vacuum. Uh, because yeah. if you're an american vendor uh and you're you're um selling to uh to to the european market you'll have to have those SECs in place you have to but basically it's all it's all um labor intensive etc um but on the other hand if you're a uh, and and if you're selling to uh, to um to the to the, the european market as an american uh company you're you don't want to uh work against the American law. So you'll have to comply mm-hmm. to that American yeah. law. On the other hand, at the same uh time you're breaching some European laws, the GDPR laws. So it's 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 always hard as a as a vendor as an American vendor to to work with those SECs, etc. But it it, it mm-hmm. is doable, but it's labor intensive. The other thing, yeah. the other way around, you know, if you're a German company selling in the US, I'm just thinking like SAP yeah. or whatsoever, how mm-hmm. do they solve that problem? Because they're yeah. not going to hand over pr- data to the American government, right? Yeah. yeah so how uh... do they solve that problem? <laughs> and um, I think, you know, with Avalanche, you're primarily focusing on the German and European market, I guess. Yeah,
1: uh, primarily, the,
0: yeah. Primarily, but the, the, the bigger companies like SAP that have a big market in the U.S.,
1: Um, well i I can give you a very practical example because in my time of project management i worked with many global corporations Mm -hmm. and implemented their their whole um, setup Um, and um, um, let's say we had a um, a company that's located in germany that would always be helpful Headquartered in germany but lots of branches all over the world Mm -hmm. and we would set up a system with one uh, uh, ideally with one global database and then we have a um, something's called a pool allies that basically distributes the leads, the profiles, contacts to each branch so they can work with them. And um, but certain standards had to be defined. Like how do we generate leads? How do we gather them? Um, do we do a double opt-in always? You know, um, um what ha- what what has to be written on the form? Um, do we ask, as we always should and have to ask for consent, not only for general consent, but also consent for tracking Mm -hmm. Um, and very often um, if it was a German headquarter coming back to that they would set the rules and often they would stick to what was once the German but now it's the GDPR rules and stick with those and say no that's how high we set the bar and any branch in the world has to do the same and for some this meant more work than before. All of a sudden they required their branch in the U.S. to do a, a more elaborate take on, on um, gathering consent, taking care of the tracking, um, always have a double up in process. Even if, we, if it wasn't legally required, um, they would set that as the standard. And um, this, going back to the beginning of our conversation, because the standards were so high in Germany before, the whole GDPR changeover wasn't so big, uh, didn't have as many implications to, to German companies that already fulfilled those before but many other countries that had more lax regulations, um, they had to adjust a lot more. So um, setting a higher bar is the safer um, uh, method, and we talked about it before. Um, You lower the risk of running into problems on the long run Um, if you just take care of people's data. I mean, it's it's all about taking care of the data and and respecting people's privacy on on a certain level.
0: Mm -hmm. So let's say, Um, Because we're talking about the the German market and the majority of German companies um, at the the SME level will probably be European focused. So what do you recommend um, marketers at German companies um, when they are selecting an ESP, like an email service provider? Mm -hmm. What what should they look for? What what pitfalls should they not fall into? Mm -hmm. What's your advice?
1: Well, um, many already look at uh, factors like made and hosted in the EU. Mm -hmm. I'm going to add, of course, Germany would be nice because that's something that applies to Evalanche because that's where the company is located, came from, and everything is within Germany. But um, because that basically it's like an umbrella that's then like kind of like a shield. Um, They have to fulfill certain requirements. Um, look at this. Um, um, some are familiar, maybe, with the terms "privacy by design" and "privacy by default." Basically, it means that as a, a vendor or a system was built with protecting privacy from scratch, and um, and that um, the predefined settings of the system is already, let's say, compliant to to legal requirements, um, while and let's put it into contrast some other systems that don't have a privacy by design and privacy by default setup um, if you basically use the system with their standard default settings um, you might run into into some problems here so look for um, where is it made and hosted uh, to not run into problems Um, uh, look at the whole privacy aspect about it Um, i now also recommend often as for tracking look at and make sure it allows that and to handle the tracking permission on an individual level. So, what do you mean by an individual level? Um, so, if I sign up on a website, I should, in the ideal world, I should decide do I allow you to track me or not? Right. Mm-hmm. So, on the web form, ideally, there's a checkbox, it's a voluntary, it's not a mandatory checkbox. It says click here to activate tracking. If you allow us to track you, then we can tailor make content that's relevant to you. You get better information, better products. So I have benefits. I get benefits if I allow the company to track me. But if I don't want you to track me, then I should have the possibility, standard is it's off, to say no to it. Mm -hmm. And that allows me individually to say tracking on or tracking off. And that's a, a one feature that, Very few ESPs, and you probably know this, very few ESPs have or offer. Some systems allow you to turn it off for the entire account. You can say, okay, um, personalized tracking is on, or we turn it off, but then it's completely blank. Um, Some allow it per uh, newsletter transmission. You know, send one newsletter, you say for this newsletter, we don't want to track anything or whatsoever, but it's all about the data of an individual. So ideally that's something you see more and more often And that's one of the key features, I would also say, that that Evil Launch has. And um, yeah, web form and so on and so forth. Preference center, you can turn it on and off there. In the Mm -hmm. footer of an email, there's a link It says tracking is on. Click here to turn it off. So give the power to the people whose data it is. So that's one of the things that uh, I always recommend now that's uh, an important feature. And then you have things like deliverability. Are they whitelisted? In Germany, the Certified Senders Alliance, the CSA is very important um, because it it, it improves your chances of delivering emails and they actually get to the um, recipients. Um, Yeah, and then, of course, you have the whole usability um, user interface um, aspect about it as
0: well. So given the fact that you're very careful on gathering data um, giving mm-hmm. the power to the people as you stated so nicely um mm-hmm. you'll probably get less personalized information uh, it, it's harder at least to get the personalized information mm-hmm. you really need to convince people to 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 actually give you yes. that permission and to show that they, that is actually worth it um mm-hmm. is uh in your because you've also worked for multinational companies um, mm-hmm. is the isn't the, the german market a little behind on personalization then in email do, do you send out a lot of personalized email ads, or is it different how does that work in practice mm-hmm.
1: well um first of all overall my overall perception is very few companies in the us uh, in, in germany a ask for permission for tracking in the first place mm-hmm. most web forms don't have even a hint Some do. Some say, if you sign up here, you give us also permission, not not only general consent, um, but also permission to track you. If you don't want to be tracked, don't sign up. That's what you find sometimes. Mm -hmm. But the vast majority has one of the options, not asking for it or doing basically combining it. Um, And there are a few who say that um, uh, if you don't sign up, uh, if you don't activate tracking, then then you will not be tracked. Um, Most companies don't Apply this, let's say, more modern method on an individual base yet, which though I find it, it's basically like if you visited a website, Elias, and you you individually see a cookie banner, and every time you have to click on the cookie banner, say yes, no, and whatsoever, mm-hmm. and it's with with email marketing similar, you have to say yes to the tracking in this newsletter. So the majority does it, the majority does track, and also vast majority personalized tracking. I know very few companies that do these so-called pseudonymized some call it anonymized, but it's actually pseudonymized, um, tracking method where you, if you send out a newsletter to a thousand people, you see how many opened and clicked, but you cannot see who mm-hmm. did it. But what it all does lead to, as one of the questions we discussed before, how does all this affect the operation and, and of, of systems and functions and features? And some listeners will already get there. Um, you have to think email marketing and automation differently if, for example, tracking can be turned on or it can be turned off for an individual or when tracking is not personalized, but pseudonymized. Like, so um, when you can't use a condition that queries whether someone clicked or not because, no, tracking is off. You don't know. If, so, Or if someone has turned on tracking um, at first and then later they turn it off because they like, can turn it off. Like
0: Apple on. does at the moment. So actually you're having an advantage there in the German market. Because I get asked that question a lot, you know, with, with Apple, with the iOS coming up, and you know, you mm-hmm. can turn off your tracking or you're being tracked uh-huh. yourself. So you, mm-hmm. you're you already are experienced here. Yeah, um, I, I uh, funny story. I, I started
1: working on this already way before the GPR came in, and we already had, and that's why. Uh, coming back to the vendor comparison, imagine if like a big vendor doesn't have this technological feature of tracking on off on an individual basis how do you program this in the backbone of those systems oh my god that's not fun for the it department here no. and whoever is <laughs> they, they 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 all take holding their breath at this point i guess that's but what that, they call a is, challenge that's that's uh, not only a challenge you probably <laughs> have to you have to start from scratch this is probably where you start with code line 1 um and, and I have to say, uh, that's one of the reasons why I like Ivo Launch, not only because I work for them, but um, um, Launch has been built like this from scratch and, and can do this. Um, it can be opted in for tracking, opted out for tracking. Uh, you can completely deactivate it, um, not only on an individual level, even also on an account level. Um, I had a big German bank. They also wanted to use the system, but they needed to communicate internally to thousands of employees worldwide. And compliance doesn't allow An employer to track any employees so for the whole account there's no tracking mechanisms available at all so they're safe um Mm -hmm. so very very flexible but that's those impacts and this is something we i think we haven't even touched we we just touched the surface and the whole ios thing already gave us an idea that this affects a lot of things planning implementing analyzing automation or uh, any marketing efforts because it gives you less information, but while all those marketeers who will scream and say, no, it protects people's data. It mm-hmm. really does what what hasn't happened until now. And this is really one of the, the stands and looking at time, of course, a little bit, but privacy um, to me plays plays a really important role. I'm, I'm not a fan of just saying it's important because it's the law and, and that's the reason why you have to bite the law, blah, blah, That doesn't convince anyone. To me, it's, it's more... May sound a little holier, but it's a question of respect and, and attitude or stance.
0: But taking someone comp- serious, you know, that's yeah. it's it's taking yeah, exactly. your customer serious. And that's I think overall is 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 a big difference between the European and the US approach. Yes.
1: yes. And I, I'll give you a common objection in a second, but as a company, before I get to that, and as as the person responsible, how do I handle other people's data? That's it. They give you their data, they trust it to you, and you have to answer for yourself, how do I handle this? So here's the most common objection I hear every once in a while. Come on, there's nothing wrong with someone's email address on a server in the US. I mean, what could possibly happen? That sounds too simple. And it really gets me thinking. And I've, I have I had to think and research and read a lot and listen to a couple of webinars. Uh, Mark Schramm's la- last time had Edward Snowden on his talk too. And, mm-hmm. um, I find that this objection is often raised by people who do make it too easy for themselves, because it's not easy for me to refute this objection right away. Fortunately, we are in a podcast, so it's a little better, because you can't convince people with extreme examples. You know, if I just said, "Well, what, what if you if the email ends up in the wrong hands and then you're like, I don't know, turns out you have the wrong belief in faith and uh, then you're persecuted, or whatever?" No, it doesn't come to that. Many think, but. What you have to look at is what what does the GDPR actually do? It it takes care of the protection of personal data. And the goal is that every person, you too, can determine for themselves who collects and stores and processes what information, personal information, and when. Now, what data is this? It's information by which someone can be identified. Um, Give you an example of indirect information. The first African-American president of the United States of America was Barack Obama. So the indirect information here is the first African-American president of the United States of America. So that's simple, but it allows me to draw a conclusion. Who is this direct information, Barack Obama? This is, let's say, simple name, address, occupation, president of the United States, date of birth, and the but there's also data and this is where it gets sensitive, literally, if that data is published, it would bring significant social or societal disadvantages for the person and that's health status, political and religious and sexual orientation. And we all know people are persecuted because they vote for the wrong party, have a certain faith, but that's also too big. So let's think of the newsletter. So a woman signs up for a newsletter with an organization That actually happens to support women who want to terminate a pregnancy. So she receives the newsletters and she opens them and clicks them. So her email address, it's associated with that organization. And then let's say that information is somewhere inadequately protected, not rightly protected and others access it. And then she needs health insurance and she starts applying and somehow this information, oh, she is pro-abortion. Um, is information available to an insurance company and they deny her access? Subtle. I register with, for example, I could register with an organization that's close to a union. And in some country, I want to go to Dubai then and work there for new career. And all of a sudden, my data is not protected, collected, and someone finds out that I may be close to this union and makes it difficult for me to, impossible for me to find a job.
0: That's that's what, so, what happens a lot, you know, the, specifically to... People that, like you indicate, I hear that a lot, right? Like, what's wrong with an email address? The version that I hear a lot is like, I have nothing to hide. <laughs> That's what people yes. say. I have nothing to hide. And then I yeah, tell them a, an example. There has been a whole episode on a, on TV in, in the Netherlands about this one. But um, a, a lot of companies use WordPress. So one of the mm-hmm. major hospitals in Germany, in the Netherlands also sure. use used mm-hmm. WordPress. So what do you do when you use WordPress? You use plugins, right? So yes. one of the plugins that's used a lot is a social share plugin. Those nice mm-hmm. Facebook, LinkedIn share buttons below. Um, and we're all we in in the Netherlands. We're we're always looking for cheap stuff or free stuff. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. What, what? Why not using a free plugin like Add this? So what mm-hmm. Add this really does is tracking you that data. Um, and selling that data to third parties. So, mm. what has actually happened there is that you could track someone visiting that hospital up to a specific page of that. Let's say you're in the cancer department or you're in the fertility yep. department or whatsoever. They could check yep. that, they could track it, they could store it, and they could sell it. Um, and then all yep. of a sudden, those people saw, oh, 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 is, is, can they really do that? Yeah, sure. And that's being done daily and if yeah. if you don't, if you cannot control that that's that's a bad yeah. thing um yeah. so you really have to open their eyes in 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 that ways because you know people and i'm very privacy concerned as well but it's it's um a lot of people think they have nothing to hide whereas in fact they don't understand that if someone even has their email address they can ask for a bank loan they can yeah. ask for they can ask for a, a, an offer on a car they can start um using your email address to get contacts to your relatives mm. you know all that kind of stuff so it's it's yeah. very very uh, privacy concern. So, it's not, Tob- mm-hmm. Tobias, I, okay. I, I'm I I know you can talk about this for hours. <laughs> <laughs> we we I will definitely uh, ask you back on the podcast because I, I'm intrigued by this topic and I I, I think that the listeners want to hear more. But mm-hmm. um, we'll have to to end this. Um, yeah, sure. I'm gonna I'm gonna put a link to um, Avalanche's website, of course, in the show notes as well as a link to your LinkedIn profile. So yes, people please. that want to link to you, you know, go ahead, go to LinkedIn LinkedIn, uh, send him an invite do say that you have heard on uh, about tobias on the um, podcast on the marketing technology podcast of course because otherwise he'll he'll might think it, it's spam and you're trying to find <laughs> steal his data you know that's okay. <laughs> that's important but tobias thank you very much for being on the marketing technology podcast
1: thank you thank you very much for the invitation it was my pleasure and i am very much looking forward to part two of our conversation
0: thanks for listening to this episode of the marketing technology podcast if you enjoyed this podcast please leave us a review on your favorite podcast platform or itunes also if you want to be a guest or know someone that should be a guest to our show shoot me an email on e.crum at marketingguys.nl thank you for listening